June 26, 2023. We're in Masechet Lamed Amud Aleph, if you count about uh, 25, 26 lines from the bottom of the Amud upward. And the sec- third word on the line, the word is Ela. We're really in the middle of something, but very briefly so that you remember and uh, keep up to date with regards to what the Gemara is dealing with. The Gemara initially cited a Mishnah from later on. It was one Emorah speaking to the other and asking him, why is it that the women in our midst don't follow this law and we nonetheless keep quiet? The specifics of the halakha they were talking about were dancing and clapping hands and slapping hands to a rhythm on Yom Tobra on Shabbat, which is prohibited. And uh, the question was, but this is Hanen our women, the women in our midst, they do this and uh, we don't say anything. We've allowed for them to continue doing it. Uh, to put it in other words, why don't we fulfill the mitzvah of the Torah? Why haven't we been rebuking the people? Why has the leadership been silent? And the response in turn was, but wait a second, aren't you aware that women in our midst do something else that we allow for just going by? Have you not had the question about that as well? And that was specifically that the women, there was a, a gezerah of the rabbis that you shouldn't be sitting at the entrance of an alleyway or, or rather of a, a side street, which leads into the Shutarabim, into a public thoroughfare, uh, on Shabbat, uh, why shouldn't you be sitting at the edge because something might fall out of your hand? Without thinking about it, you'd outstretch your hand, you'd walk into the Shutarabim, move that item from the Shutarabim into the Shutarabim, from the public to the, to the private domain, or you just walk with it in the, priv- in the public domain, and as a result, you're not supposed to be doing so. And yet, uh, people do so. The women fill their, or, or carry their uh, receptacles, their jugs, in order to go fill them with water, and sit there and nobody says anything to them. That's where we were up to, that's the point at which uh, this conversation to a certain extent stopped. In other words, the question was, why haven't we, what are we doing, as Ravah Barav Hanin asked Abaye, what are we as leaders, as the rabbis, as the community doing, why haven't we been rebuking them, why haven't we been setting them straight? Abaye now, after countering it by saying, you think that's difficult, what about this, gives an explanation, Ela, it's an iconic line, Hanach lahem li Yisrael, uh, our responsibility in this situation is hanach lahem Israel. Leave them. Milashon menucha. Let them be. Mutav sheyehu shogigin ve'al yehu mizidin. It's mutav. It's better that they be mistaken in doing these things wrong, instead of being uh, purposeful. Instead of them doing it bemezid. Um, now, certainly in terms of uh, punishment, in terms of violation. Of one who does something b'mezid is much more severe than someone who does it b'shogeg. Doing something brazenly and purposefully is a lot worse than doing it accidentally. But isn't it our responsibility, even if we see them doing it accidentally, to set them straight? Statement in the Gemara seems, if you read it really broadly and really liberally, seems to be uh, you're supposed to keep quiet if someone's doing something accidentally. Never correct them. I mean, all of halakha could be like that, no, right? Particularly this one. I, I never heard of something. You're very happy doing something that you know for sure is wrong. And you shouldn't say something. Hanach lahem li Yisrael. When? Well, they're doing something wrong. Now, you will. They're violating Gezerot Midrabanan. Ultimately speaking, uh, let, let this be noted, ultimately speaking, as they do this, although, as Jeffrey, as A.B. pointed out, they're not in the moment violating an Yisur from the Torah, 
They're not walking into the public thoroughfare with their jug. They're not uh, fixing or creating the, uh, the instrument as they're dancing and clapping. But in the moment that they're doing those things, it is a violation of a rabbinic restriction. Midra Banan, you're not allowed to be doing this. Right now, it appears as if, I give it a second, the Gemara will get into that. Right now, it appears as if we're only applying this to Dirabanans. But even on a Dirabanan, with all, with all due respect, I want a little respect here, right? Those the Hachamim, the Gezerot, uh, we do uphold them. Uh, we, we should be, if someone's violating it, setting them uh, perhaps in their place appropriately. There is a debate, but it's after the fact. There's a debate if a person does something bishogeg on any sudra banan, do they need to, so to speak, do teshubah? Does it now get rung up on their account? In other words, if you violate any surah from the Torah, uh, so then we understand this, generally speaking. Metaphysically, you did something which was negative to yourself, to the world, to define it accordingly as to how we uh, understand the general philosophy of mitzvot and averot. When it's a rabbinic violation, we generally speaking assume they're building a gate around the Torah. So did you per se do something negative in uh, the metaphysical sense? Or did you alternatively open the gate when you shouldn't have opened the gate, but you didn't per se step inside? There's a debate about that. There's this conversation amongst the Aharonim and proofs this way and that way. Uh, not per se what we're dealing with in the Gemara in this moment. In the Gemara in this moment, the question is nonetheless, as the person's doing it, before they violate, why haven't we set them straight? Why haven't we given them the tokeha, the rebuke that's necessary? So that seems to be the case, but always we do away with halacha then. Rosh, Rosh is Rabbeinu Asher ben Yahiel. He's one of the major commentators in the back of the Gemara is where his commentary is found in standard Gemarot. He has the following words. He says, Vehanemile, these words are true. Bemideh, on things, Deyadainan bevadai delamekabel minan. We state this and we follow this specifically on matters that we know if we try to set them straight, they won't listen to us. It's not a general principle, well, someone's doing something Bishogig, just allow for it. It's better than them doing it. No, it's when it's prone to be in your eyes and in La Dayan you need to be uh, clear in your understanding of it and have a good intuition. If the person's not going to listen to you, if the people are not going to listen to you, in such a circumstance, you let it be. Does this mean that this applies in any circumstance where any individual is doing this? And many of the post scheme furthermore restrict this uh, permissibility of just allowing for it to go. Tashbits suggests that this is when it's in mass, when people are doing this as a community. Not really going to change that as an individual here, an individual there. You speak to them, you set them, okay, then they'll change it. If there's a social dynamic that everyone's doing this and they won't change as hard as you'll try to get it rectified, it's then that we say, Hanach lahem li Israel. Again, still, even with these restrictions and definitions, still far from being absolutely clear as to when we apply this and when we don't. Yet. Yet. So, several things. Number one, we haven't addressed. Jared, number one, we haven't addressed the Oraita yet. We have, we've only been talking about the Rabbanans. Number two, 
Um, we're talking specifically over here, as Rosh says, you're certain he's not going to listen to you. Number three, Tashbez is telling us it's only when many are doing this, not when an individual per se in a community is doing it. But that's the statement. So again, so this, uh, the response of Abaye is just like in the case where we see the women sitting on the entrance to Rishut Rabbim, we allow for them because we say, So too in the case that you asked me about, he says to Rava Bar Hanan, he says to him, So too in the case that you asked me where, Barav Hanin, where the women are dancing and clapping and, and slapping, So that's the statement then in the Gemara. Now, Rabbi, the Gemara looks to qualify this. Do we always say this? Is it in any circumstance where they're doing something bishogeg? And again, keep in mind, the words again are hanachlem Israel that uh, supports tashbits. We're talking about something which is in mass, a group potentially taking place. And these words are true, perhaps, only on rabbinic violations. He's doing it, he's not going to listen, we're c- continuing the strand in terms of that qualification. Allow for it. That's on a rabbinic violation. When it comes to an isu de oraita, when it comes to prohibition from the Torah, we probably, says the Gemara, would not apply this. Again, the distinction, I think, is clear. The distinction is a de oraita we're looking at as, in essence, being a wrongful act. A de rabbanan we're looking at, at, generally speaking, as it's preventing you to come to an action of essence which is wrong. As a result, we distinguish perhaps but, but as the Gemara. Do we bring a Qurban when we do uh, Abedab and Rabbanan? Is that, is that a thing or not? No. No, for the same type of reason. But what undermining to the Rabbanan if they're going to make it to right yeah. And that's a major that's problem there. That's right. like a hole in the hole. I, I hear you. It's, it's, if this is so, and we're not going to uphold it, it's the, it's the Hachamim doing it to themselves. So, you know, it's not, it's not as if... So, says the Gemara Velohi... However, this distinction, this difference is not true. You should know that that distinction which you had initially, assuming that this is only on Dirabanan, that we have this leniency, this liberal approach of Hanach Laim Lisa, no, it's not so. It applies Loshina Bide Oraita, Veloshina Bidirabanan, both on Isurim from the Torah as well as those from the rabbis. Uh, how do you know? We don't say to the people who are violating Bishogeg, again, provided circumstance situations that we mentioned. Um, how do you know? Well, maybe it's only under Rabbanans. You mentioned two. Deha tosefet yom hakipurim. De oraitahu veachle veshatu ache hashecha. Vela amrinan lehu vela mide. After all, there's a mitzvah from the Torah of tosefet yom hakipurim. It's a derasha elsewhere in Masechet Yoma and Pe Aleph. And the Gemara over there has a derasha that the Pasuk says, Ve'initem et nafshotechem. Betisha, and then it says ba'erev. Oh, so it says initially that you're going to uh, afflict your soul. It's the easiest way to translate the word on the ninth of Tishrei, and then it says ba'erev in the evening. Don't we hold that? Well, that means to eat more. Another opinion in the Gemara, Masechet Rosh Hashanah Daf is is that we derive from that as well, or alternatively, a mitzvah of eating on Eid of Yom Kippur, indeed. But we furthermore have a mitzvah from the Torah of Tosefet, that you're supposed to begin, even though it says in the evening, which would mean the 10th, you're supposed to begin on the 9th with abstaining from food and maybe even with abstaining from melacha. 
which is why we stop earlier. We have an earlier meal and we stop earlier in order to fulfill the mitzvah of Tosefet Yom HaKippurim. Now, what does that have to do with anything in our context? Well, first and foremost, we very often apply that to Shabbat as well. Whether it's from the Torah, Midrabanan, when it comes to Shabbat, but there's a concept of Tosefet on Shabbat as well. We begin Shabbat earlier, maybe end it a little bit later. Tosefet is a mitzvah on Shabbat, maybe only Midrabanan, according to Rambam, certainly not Minat Torah. Clearly from our Gemara, not that way. You looked at Tosafot already, Jared? Oh, okay. All right, all right, all right. But before that, I have to finish. I have to, I'm, Alan got me rolling. So, so but, but, but here's the point. The Gemara says, People, maybe women specifically, the way Shulchan Aruch seems to report this Gemara, but regardless, people, they eat all the way up until nightfall on Erev Kippur, meaning they're not fulfilling the mitzvah of Tosefet, Yom HaKippurim, and then nonetheless not being rebuked. Oh, wait a second, is that a mitzvah from the Torah? Even on a day, right? That's right. That's exactly that's what they get. Those words in the Gemara, Velohi, those words of the Gemara, it's not so. Deha, and then we bring the proof that even on a day, right? So again, no, 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 Shalom. We're suggesting you do it. When, and it's hard for you and me to get into the mind of the other, we're not uh, expert psychologists, if the person's going to listen, we do it. If you're certain the person's not going to do it, listen. And it's being violated in mass, hanach lahim There's one or two other qualifications. What if you want, when you're certain that the person is going to listen to you, the way Rosh says it is, you, it's specifically when you're certain he's not going to listen to you that you don't do it. If there's a safik, you do do. Okay. Certainly. Certainly. You see, Je- Jeffrey's pointing out our community and many communities over the course of modernity in the world have based themselves strongly on this, the leadership. Right. If the leadership in any of these sorts of circumstances, our community some 80 years ago or less, had been strong and iron-fisted and fire and brimstone from the pulpit and going and excommunicating when people were driving on Shabbat, were working, we wouldn't have much of a community. So in other words, the underlying principle of our Gemara is certainly applied not only here, it might be applied in your own lives, the people you know where you're familiar. If the Torah commands you, you have to rebuke them, how dare you be violating that? And there's a certain long-term vision as well. Uh, listen, we're leaving it shogig. Let's see, let's see how this works out. Tochecha is far from simple today. It's been far from simple for many generations. This is one extra dimension of it, of mutav the derasha of the Gemara in Masechet Yoman Daf Pe'alef is that on the one hand the Pasuk says you're fasting or you're being inui on the 9th and on the other hand it says Ba'erev in the evening. The evening of the 9th is the 10th. The derasha in turn is you're starting it on the 9th and you're extending into the 10th and that's De'oraita, we accept. And nonetheless, people are not accepting Kippur early, says the Gemara. Achleveshatu. From the day before, yeah, that's the derasha. 
Our two last points, one is what Jared mentioned, and then uh, uh, one last point that's mentioned in Rosh from Baal Ha'itur. If you take a look at the left-hand side, Tosafot, Dehat Tosefet Yom HaKippurim Deoraitahi, Ve'achle Ve'shatu Ad Hashechah, those are the words in the concluding lines of this sugya, which says that you should know, we don't distinguish between De'oraita and De'rabbanan, after all, Tosefet of Yom Kippur is Min HaTorah, people are eating it, Mashma says Tosafot, it appears, says Tosafot, that there's a shi'ur. Shi'ur means a measurement, means a particular amount of time uh, for Tosafot. Let me explain to you why Tosafot is writing this and what it means before we read onward. You see, when we talk about extending, I extended one second. I started the holiday a second, uh, 30 seconds early. Says, what's that? We're going to start Shekiah. We're going to say Shekiah is the beginning of the holiday. You want to start a little bit before Shekiah, sunset before Ben Hashem Now, how much time does it take? Are you telling me that these people were with their stopwatches going up? This is what Tosafot is imagining. Up until the second on the uh, astronomical clock told them, it is now sunset. That's when they stopped. So it's inconceivable. They were stopping a few minutes before. I mean, everybody would stop. And nonetheless, the Gemara is exclaiming and remarking. You see, everybody goes up until nightfall, up until Shekiah Hama, until sunset. They weren't really do says Tosafot, but they were nonetheless, the Gemara is telling us, violating Tosafot. It seems Tosafot is not just a second, a minute or two. There's some measurement for it. From the fact that the Gemara is saying, decrying the fact that, oh, you see, everyone's violating it. And it's clear, says Tosafot, they weren't going up until the last second. There's a shi'ur, there must be some measurement. From the fact that the rabbis are, are, are necessitating to stop when it's daylight still, because it's clear that they would go up until uh, darkness. We're dealing with uh, an isur from the Torah, eating on Kippur. And nonetheless, the Gemara is telling us, I said, that's what Tosafot says. And then Tosafot says, Says Tosafot, with regards to uh, the, the exact amount, uh, we never got a measurement. Therefore, you should make certain uh, from daylight time. Well, that still didn't really give us a measurement. When it comes to measurement of Tosefet Yom HaKippurim and Tosefet Shabbat, we don't have real Shi'urim. There are different measurements, different poskim mentioned over the course of time, 15 minutes, a half an hour. Uh, as Jared said, at the very least, and this, this is what we, I think, institutionally do, we start, we, we say that the candle lighting is a minute or two earlier for Kippur. Uh, Tosafot is making clear there should be some shi'ur with regards to this, so being medayek in our gemara. Right, that's with regards to that side point. There's one last fundamental point to be made from our sugya, and that is the conclusion of the gemara, again, is that both on a derabbanan, even on a deoraita, we say, mutav shiushogigin hanachlaim Israel. What was the proof from Tosefet Yom HaKippurim? Rosh, back there in Siman Bet, quotes from Baal Ha'itur, from one of the other Rishonim, who makes the following suggestion and distinction. He says, over here, as Charles was deliberating for a moment or two, he's really touching on the point, this is not explicit in the Torah. Torah never says, start Kippur early. That's what's called the derasha. We saw it says on the ninth, and it says in the evening. So we can derive, how do you have the ninth? And the evening is supposed to start it earlier. That's called the derasha. 
It's not taking away from its status as a mitzvah from the Torah, per se, certainly not over here, but it is changing something. Says Baal Hayitu, without explaining himself initially, he says that there, there's a distinction even on a deoraita. He says, if it's a mitzvah which is explicit in the Torah, don't do melacha on Shabbat, then, and then, specifically, we don't say hanach lahem Israel. You have to go and correct the person. This is what Baal Hayitu writes, and Ramah cites it in Siman Tafresh Chet. The Gemara, which says this applies even to Deoraitas, means specifically when it's from a derasha, when it's less explicit. Now that will and should be a conversation in general. So how do we consider, is combustion on Shabbat explicit in the Torah? It's not a fire per se. So, so that, what I'm saying is, there is a lot of conversation to be had. What's the underlying logic? Rashba in his commentary to our Gemara says the underlying logic is, if it's, and, and listen to the point, and you'll understand why, why, why this didn't you know, save so much in terms of we have to be more forceful. It's just because the idea is if it's explicit in the Torah, you can't imagine that the guy is actually doing it accidentally. It's explicit, it's in the text of the Torah and he's doing it. Not really, gig. I understand, so then he's not really a part, it's explicit, that's the assumption. Okay, I hear you. Argues Rashbab, that's the distinction. So again, the, the concluding line of our sugya, which is that this applies even to Deoraitas, says Baal Haitur, qualified by Rosh and, and, and Rashbah explaining it, he says this is specifically when it's not Mifurash Ba Torah, when it is Mifurash, again, applied accordingly based on circumstance, based on the knowledge that you know, A.B., that the person has, then you might say that there is a mitzvah of Tokiha. Explicit. If it's explicit as opposed to derived from careful reading, so to speak. So in Torah, there's a concept in Judaism called Arehut. We all have, we all each other's guarantors. That's only really in regard to fulfilling a deoraita mitzvah, or essentially. So, I, I, I require it as an explicit deoraita. So the right. the concept, right. although a beautiful concept, in the halachic realm, the only time that, to the best of my knowledge, it's applied halachically speaking, is in a sugya we learned two summers ago on Masechet Rosh Hashanah and Yatzah Mosi. Even if you already fulfilled the mitzvah, you can fulfill it for another person who hasn't fulfilled it. You can have, you know, you can do, and they can say amen to you, and you can fulfill for them. Says Rashid, the kol yisrael arevim sebaz. That's on the halachic realm that we look at ourselves connected. Um, uh, in, in maybe it maybe it does derive from the general concept of hokeach tochiach hatamitecha, but it's not going to define for me. Therefore, at all costs, you need to be hokeach tochiach. Okay, says the Gemara onward over here. It says, If you recall, we had these confusing final words in our Mishnah. The Mishnah told us two seemingly contradictory halachot. On the one hand, it said, It said that you're allowed to begin. And the word begin over here means that I had a lying in the corner of my home or somewhere stored in my home, a pile of straw, of hay which generally speaking would be used for one of two things, either for burning or for giving to my animals to eat, but I hadn't thought about it. It was stored away. And as a result, we think in our minds and realize this is a case of mukseh. You see, the way mukseh, in the most basic sense, the machloket b'shimon b'yuda, which we saw at the beginning of our masechet, applies, is in a circumstance where entering into the holiday, entering into Shabbat, you didn't 
purposefully in your mind realize and think, I will use this. I might have, have a necessity to use this. That is huksamida'ato. Lehaksot means to set aside. It was set aside from your mind. In such a circumstance, the clear implication of the Mishnah is we're not saying mukseh. Even though this is a set aside, what we call osar, gathering, collection of straw and hay and all that sort of matter, nonetheless, I can take the first pieces out of it and use it on the holiday for burning and then my oven, whatever it is, and I don't fear that this was mukseh, that I didn't think about it beforehand. That was the first statement in the Mishnah. The next statement was, however, you should know, lo ba'itzim sheba mukseh. Means I have wood which are stored behind my house. If I haven't yet already been using that wood, which would show that my mind is on that wood, I'm not allowed to begin using that wood on Yom Tov. Uh, why not? Well, clearly, the reason is Mukseh. Uh, so I have a blatant and clear contradiction. On the one hand, you tell me with the straw and the, uh, the tevin that I'm not that I'm allowed to begin. I don't have an issue of Mukseh. And then you contr- contrasted that with the statement by the Aitzim Sheba Mukseh. That it's not a lot. Says the Gemara, Umatchidim ba'alimatev and Amar of Kahana. Rav Kahana derives from those words. Zoto merit. We can deduce from those initial words. Arema again means a pile that you can start with the pile of straw. Matchidin be'osar tehila. Clearly, the principle is we have no issue of mukzeh. Matchidin. You can begin ba'osar. Osar. Let me know. Osar hamelech means the storehouse. Tehila initially on the holiday. It's not an issue that it was in the storehouse. It was out of sight, out of mind. No, no, no. It was in your mind, or we don't have a problem with for some reason. Mane, whose opinion would this be following? Rabbi Shimonhi, delet le mukseh. If you were with us from the beginning of Masechet, fantastic. Otherwise, you'll have to just, for this sugya, get back into it. Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Yudah have a foundational mahluk. We've seen several of theirs over the course of Masechet Betzah. We just recently talked about davar she'eno mitkaven. Remember, if a person does something without the intention of the outcome on Shabbat or on Yom Tov. Another foundational we had throughout the first chapter of Masechet Betzah is mukseh. Something where entering into the day, it was not on my mind. Is that in turn a problem for usage, for moving on the holiday on Shabbat? Rabbi Huda says, absolutely. Why? Rabbinically speaking, the rabbis wanted you to be mindful and purposeful entering the day in terms of what you're going to use. Rabbi Shimon says, no such problem. If I'm telling you that you're allowed to, for the first time, use this pile of uh, clearly you're following the opinion of Rabbi Shimon. What does the word mane mean? Man in Aramaic with an aleph in it means who? Mane means who is the author? Who's the author of the statement? It must be Rabbi Shimon de Letle Mukseh. And says the Gemara, what we already articulated. Ema Sefa. Read the final words then. Quote, But you're not allowed to use the wood which is stored back uh, in back of the house. Atan It means yesh. Uh, we switch the taf with the shin. Yesh lo mukseh. Uh, we follow there then the opinion of Rabbi Uda. It's a stringent opinion. They have a problem with mukseh. Go ahead. Fire, yeah, but wh- what are you using it for over here? Yes. Okay, and therefore, why is that gonna why is that gonna change something for us? Was you're distinguishing for some reason between the two, and you're saying you would have one in mind as opposed to the other? No. Okay, so then why is the first one permitted? No, no, you're allowed to use item. You're using both on the holiday. I want to use both. Mishnah told me I'm allowed to on one, I'm not allowed to on the other. It said for the straw, I'm allowed to light it. On the, fire, on the wood, I'm not allowed to. Why not? What's the difference? 
on the wood, I'm not allowed to. Says the Mishnah, I'm not allowed to pick up that wood. Mukse. Why? Mukse. Wasn't in my mind. Had a whole discussion on pages ago about this, right? Sure, about this concept. Yeah. Sure, our started with this. was all about it. We talked about wood. We talked about water. We talked about all sorts of such matters. But now there seems to be a blatant contradiction from one line to the next. Says the Gemara, two answers. Let's at least develop the first. Answers the Gemara, Hacha, Be'arzev ashuhe askinan demukse mehamat hisaron kis va'afilu bishimon mode. First answer of the Gemara is, first answer of the Gemara is this Mishnah is being lenient, generally speaking. It's accepting the opinion of Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon's opinion is this concept of Mukseh in this way, in this context, is not applicable. The fact that I didn't have it in my mind entering into the holiday, we call that Ben Hashem Ashot, doesn't affect uh, my usage of it on Yom Tobah, on Shabbat, Rabbi Shimon. And nonetheless, even Rabbi Shimon agrees there's certain areas, certain stuff that even he says are problematic. What sort of stuff? You just told me you don't need to think about it entering into the day. Mukseh mehamat chisaron kis. Haser means absent. Kis means my pocket. What do we keep in our pocket and not want to be absent from our pocket? Our money. Mukseh mehamat chisaron kis is a reference to I have a valuable item which I don't want to be used in any way other than its purpose. In turn, in turn, exactly. In turn, says the Gemara. This cedar wood, Arze Vishuhe, Rashi says Shuhe is female cedar wood. I don't know the distinction, although I do own, very proudly, two books on trees, but I still don't know the difference between female and male trees. Um, but that much I know uh, from here. So cedar wood we always know is expensive. The Gemara now tells us there's male and female cedar. I don't know if it is today, but it was once upon a time. It was the strong wood which you used, as uh, Eli said, for building. That's the wood that I had stored in the back of my home. Entering into the holiday, entering into Shabbat, I never, certainly a holiday over here, I never thought that I'm going to use it for, for firewood. What changed? I don't know, an important guest came and I said, honey, we gotta, we're going to spend a lot because we don't have fire to, in order to make the, the food. Let's just put it out. And that's what I can say. Why is it kis. It was never, we, we, we state clearly, even according to the Bishimon, you can't change the purpose of that. Um, clearly that was out of your mind so far that Rabbi Shimon, who's generally the permitting opinion, the lenient opinion when it comes to Mukseh, he said, that's in contrast to the Ane Mashil Tev, and there's no such thing as fine straw. The circumstance at the very least in our Mishnah is that we're not dealing with fine straw. That's the first answer of the Gemara, so that's how we distinguish. Whereas when it came to Ane Mashil Tev, and it was regular Mukseh, Mutar, when it came to the Mukseh, Shel Aitzim, we were talking about Ase Erez, the meat, male and female expensive wood, which was only for building, which in turn was not in your mind for use to talk Yom Tov, it's Mukseh Ika, says the Gemara alternatively, Ika Dimatnela Asefa. There are those who do this a little bit in the opposite direction, which means to say we start backwards. Uh, what does that mean? We start with the words, Avalobaitim Sheba Mukseh. We begin with the final words of the Mishnah. Final words of the Mishnah are, you're not allowed to use the wood on Yom Tov. Clearly, the initial statement is, Mukseh is operative. It's a reality when it comes to Yom Tov. That's what we're going to be working with in our Mishnah. Stringent opinion. 
We're going to be going to the Humrah that happens to be the Halakha. We are posek. Yesh mukseh. Mukseh is asur, like Rabbi Huda. Maneh, whose opinion would this be following? Rabbi Hudahi. Deidle mukseh. Clearly, the final words of the Mishnah are implying to us, or telling us explicitly according to this interpretation. Mukseh, the fact that I didn't have the wood on my mind entering into the holiday, I can't now for the first time use it. Emaresha, same direction, just in the opposite way, right? Now read to me the first words. How are you going to answer this? How are you going to explain a permissibility? Yon said it's the opposite direction. The first approach was, we're saying there's no mukseh. However, even according to the Bishimon, that there's no mukseh issue, if it's mehamat hisaron kis, if it's of such value, mukseh even according to the Bishimon. The second approach is, we're going yesh mukseh. But even when you hold yesh mukseh, there are some things which are so permitted, so, uh, for some reason, um, so, so relevant in some way, shape, or fashion, that it's permitted. How so? Says the Gemara, hatam bitivna sarya. I suggest the Gemara, the case of the, uh, of the, of the straw is a corroded and, and ruined straw. You would not and could not and were not going to use that straw for anything other than lighting it on fire. You didn't think about using it for your animals. You didn't think about using it certainly for building or anything else. It's already corroded. It's already rotted. As a result, even though it's the first time I'm taking from that straw, from that tevin on the holiday, the uh, that's the only use. It's the opposite of chisar. It's even if you hold yesh mukseh, if it has no other usage, even though I wasn't thinking about it proactively, says the Gemara, Tivna Sariyaha Wait a second. There are other forbidden usages with regards to corroded straw. You could use it litina. Tina means for mud. You can make bricks out of it. That's prohibited. So it's true you're using it for firewood, but we can't say clear. We can't say with, with definitively that it was on your mind to use it. What's that? Because it's corroded to that extent. It's an interesting question. We're going to say batla da'ato. We're going to say we're going to go based on the majority usage. Answers the Gemara, di'it be kosim. It must be that the case in our Mishnah where the aremat, the aremat shel tevin, which is permitted, is not only corroded, it furthermore has thorns in it. Since it has thorns in it, you can't mix it properly. You wouldn't turn it into bricks. And as a result, again, this final approach to the Gemara is we're saying yesh mukzeh, like Rabbi nonetheless, if it's so far removed from any other usage other than the permitted usage of firewood or fire starter, it's permitted. What's the f- so far off circumstance? Wouldn't be eaten by animals. It's sarya. It's already destroyed. It wouldn't be used for bricks either. It be kuse. It has within it thorns and it wouldn't be made into bricks.